0: advisory to those who are not animal lovers, open to new ideas or interested in integrative holistic healthcare for your pets and believe that prescription diet is the best food for your pet. This podcast may offend your sensibilities. Have you ever felt frustrated and helpless after listening and doing everything your vet told you to do But it only made your sick pet worse and not get any better? That's me in 2008 with my first adopted cat, Meow I did everything the vet told me to do And I realised she wasn't getting any better and only worse So I decided to look into alternative health options and was drawn to the stories of holistic pet service entrepreneurs and their transformative journey, overcoming obstacles, chasing their passion and creating a movement that has caused a ripple effect of positive change in the lives of their clients and pets around the world. Join me as I share the raw, inspiring journeys of these amazing entrepreneurs, their successes and failures. My name is Amris Wang and this is The Raw Entrepreneur Welcome to The Raw Entrepreneur's Season 1, Episode 20 I had the great pleasure of interviewing a lady who utilises both her left brain and right brain To create not one, but two businesses, both canine related This is Ronnie Lejeune's origin story and her journey as a professional dog trainer and canine nutritionist. Hello everyone, this is Amris Wang from The Raw Entrepreneur. Today, I have one of my superheroes that I have been following for, I don't know, Facebook years, which might be short, but it's actually long. Um, Her name is Ronnie Lejeune, the owner of Optimal Canine, and she has multiple years of experience in the pet care industry, where she developed a very special interest in canine nutrition, training and fitness. In addition to Optimal Canine, Ronnie is the owner of Perfectly Rawsome, which is an informational raw feeding resource for pet parents to provide a home-prepared raw diet to dogs and cats. Perfectly Rawson was created in 2015 and has blossomed into one of the top online resources for raw feeding for dogs and cats. She also has two Facebook support groups, I mean can she get any better than this, Raw Feeding University and Mission Slim Possible. Raw Feeding University, which I'm a member of, is focused on providing a, raw, a group for raw feeders from across the world to connect with one another. Missions Impossible is a canine fitness group on Facebook focused on helping fight canine obesity and helping canine athletes maintain physical fitness. Holy cow, Ronnie, and you say you're just a hum- you're just a gal? No. Just, okay. <laughs> no, I mean you're like you're like, you know, the the, the vision of a lady who never stops learning. Honestly, I mean, like, yeah, that's
1: pretty accurate. I, I am in school right now, too. So <laughs> the, it, the learning never stops. It, um, so that, yeah, that's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. I mean, um, could you share with everyone um, your origin story? Because I have been following you for a while and I have to say, I don't even know half of it. And that's why, you know, that's my excuse for un- interviewing you, really. But could you share your origin story with the rest of the world?
1: Sure, of course. Um, so I actually went to a four-year university. I have a BFA, so Bachelor of Fine Arts with a concentration in graphic design, and I was a web developer and designer for nearly 10 years, um, so, which is the reason why Perfectly Rossum is the website that it is. Um, so that's my technical experience pretty much coming to light in that aspect, but whenever I was in my last job, my, I I, essentially I was losing my job. Um, we weren't getting clients. So I made the decision to just, I I, essentially, I just left my career and I decided to focus on Perfectly Rawsome and my dog training. Um, and at that time, Perfectly Rawsome was already a website, but it didn't have services. It was just free information. Um, which that still is available now, but I do have paid services now, obviously. Um, and then, so I just made the commitment and just did it. That was four years ago. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Um, and I've pretty much been doing it since. Now, why I started Blue Rossum, that is because of my American bully. I have three dogs. I have border collie is Pika, and he's 12 years old my american bully is eight years old and i have a new puppy a german short hair pointer quest and he's 10 and a half months old but loki my american bully is the reason what what got me into nutrition for dogs and creating perfectly awesome because I, my border collie was fine. And look, I'm going to be honest. I was a kibble feeder. Everyone fed kibble at one point, right? Yeah. Um, we have to start somewhere. So my border collie was on Purina pro plan, pretty much what you normally hear of every dog eating. And he did fantastic on it. He, I had no reason to choose anything else until Loki came around and loki was the dog that constantly had the ear infections the hot spots the crazy rashes losing the fur he, um and he's a blue uh bully so they tend to have more skin issues we thought he had alopecia and you know there's all these so i came, i came across raw feeding and I, just, I i'm a clean eater i eat natural foods i don't eat processed foods so the concept just made sense so I just did it, just made the commitment, made the switch. And within a month, Loki had amazing progress. Just within a month on his, we, we weren't using any medicated drops for his ears. We didn't have to medicate baths or anything like that. And I was sold, instantly sold. Oh, wow. so, yeah, I was like, this is it. I was just <laughs> going to keep up with this. Cause I mean, my dog's not miserable. Um, he he looks great, <laughs> he he's acting great. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just we stuck with it. And here we are today, um, with Perfectly awesome. And the reason why I created Perfectly Rawesome is because of the area that I'm in, people were very interested in what I was doing, but didn't understand it. So they were constantly asking me, like, what is raw feeding? How do you do it? And the amount of time that goes into explaining that as you know it takes time it's it's a, a subject that you need to research and really digest that information to be able to put it to practical use yeah so yeah. with my knowledge on creating websites and all this stuff i just saw the problem and i created the solution which was perfectly awesome and oh, here we are today and it has blossomed into a great i call it's a really personal project of mine. I, I enjoy it. It is a lot of work, yes. <laughs> especially now, um, because I still do believe that I need to maintain a free resource of information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a value that I always want to provide people is that you can get everything you need to know for free. Mm-hmm. But if you find it overwhelming, or if you need some help, you can obviously pay for that help now. Um, so that's pretty important to me. And the dog training is pretty secondary in terms of perfectly raw awesome because that's my main, what I would say bread and butter, so it pays the bills, keeps the food on the table. Um, but in terms of dog training, um, I, I do dog training here locally, which has been put on hold because of COVID. So that is just temporarily on hold with the local clients unless they sign up for my virtual training. So I do online virtual dog training where we do zoom conferences um, and I could actually demonstrate with my dogs and then walk them through doing it with their dogs through video. So I have that option too, but it tends to come secondary to Perfectly awesome. So that was a very long winded response.
0: <laughs> oh no, 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 it's not. Um, I mean, like you said um, Perfectly Rawesome is such a personal project and that's why it, 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 it reached out to me because you can see the amount of technical skill that you put into it and the love. Um, it's a beautiful website. I mean, honestly, I think of all the raw feeding resources out there, online resources, um, I think yours is the most polished, um, professional-looking and with the most amazing graphics that you have. I love the you know, you have the pictorial, um, cards that, that you, that you put together with the, the organs and it's beautiful and it's just so informative. And I always, you know, and I always keep using your resource website to, um, to share to a lot of like potential adopters or, uh, rescuers who are looking to switch to a raw food diet, you know, and I always just say like, you know, can you, Check her, check out her website. She's got this amazing Facebook group. Go go and check her out, you know. Um, because it's just, it's beautiful. Well, I don't know, like like you said, you know, I mean, I mean, that's that's the thing. I I've admired you for so long from afar. And, you know, it's really, it's really because your website just sang out, you know. It really is. I, you know, thank you for putting in that effort because um, gee whiz, I mean, like. You can really see the love and the and the passion that you have when you when you created that website. But the amount of knowledge that goes into that little noggin of yours, I you know, (laughs) (laughs) because I've seen the photo that you have uh of yourself on the website. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm short. I, I'm, a, I'm an Asian short girl, but you look really petite and slim and your head's like really small from the picture. And I'm just thinking, you know, Jesus looks like this little lady and she's got all this information and gee whiz, can you see the, the amount of certification she has behind her name? Uh, on top of that, wait a minute, she's still studying for some more, you know? <laughs> Very <laughs> academic brain, you know? <laughs> and how you can actually get your left brain and right brain to actually work together um it takes a special someone you know to do to create something that beautiful and i said it's like um i don't know what's the word like a, a leonardo you know uh, you know a renaissance lady because it's it's you you know i i don't know actually it's it's really you um no, it, it i always said that about my life in
1: general my life is a constant left and right brain battle because i am very creative um i mean i do have a bfa so while my bfa is a concentration in graphic design marketing and all this technical stuff i actually do have fine art abilities like i could actually draw i could actually paint um and i don't do it anymore i mean it's just because i don't have time um but i can i could draw real life steel figures and i i took uh figure drawing classes and things like that um so i do have that creative side in, in me and then there's the other side of me that's numbers and math and logic and all this stuff That those two don't mix very well <laughs> sometimes it's it's very exhausting to have a brain like mine
0: <laughs> well i don't know how you do it because you know you're you're a nutritionist um, a canine nutritionist you you plan and I mean like I've I I've had a look at you know like some of the courses like the, the one that you you've done um, the Cert CN you know and the yeah. books you know I've seen some of the textbooks that they, they' they 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 do and I go like holy cow she reads all of that and then she balances meals and you know it's so science based. It's so you know, um, yeah. You know, and and then you have this beautiful website. You're like, how does she do that? You know, I have not met anyone who's like literally a one woman show um, because that's the feeling that I get. You know, because um, you know, you're, you're truly that that Renaissance lady entrepreneur who who who, who did it. And um, my, you know, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, did you? get a lot of I mean like um was it easy to switch you know from your your BFA and then to to do to switch into Perfectly rosom was it an easy transition or were there spurts and starts to, in you doing that when I created Perfectly Rossum my
1: original career was actually quite stable and this is what actually triggered me creating Perfectly Awesome. I worked with a very creative and progressive group of people that created websites in a very different way. Um, my service that I offered then was called Day Sight. And what that meant is you booked me for a full business day and you came and you sat down with me and we built your website in a day. Wow. So obviously there was some planning that went into that, but the physical labor was done in eight hours, eight business hours. And you were, you left with a web published. You knew how to use after. So the service was very progressive. um, And that's where a lot of my skills actually started to blossom. You know, I had the creative skills to do graphic design and all that, but where the technical skills and that those people skills came to develop was in that service. <clears throat> and I'm kind of losing where I was going with that. <laughs> but <clears throat> it's it's creating it, I, it happened at that company because they challenged us. They they these guys, they was like, so let's see if we could create something that gets a whole bunch of Instagram likes. That was the challenge. Okay. And the, the boss just threw it out there thinking that no one would bite and just do it. And we, everyone created something, but mine was the one that actually took off like a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that ha- and I, I just had my job and I just created the website one weekend. Cause it was like this challenge my boss said, and I was like, make a day site in eight hours. I could make a raw feeding website in a weekend. I could do that. So I did it and created the Instagram accounts and did all that kind of stuff. And because I have the marketing background, I knew how to do the SEO stuff. I knew how to do all that kind of to get the website found and do all that stuff. I mean, that was my job. Um, and then it just took off. <laughs> Thankfully it did, because whenever we started losing business at the time for my actual job, and I made the commitment to just say like, I can't do this song advance, like will I get money? Will I not get money? Cause you know, I have to pay my bills. I just said, you know what, we're done. Um, I, and I just, I switched. Now the, the choice to make the switch was easy, but the actual changing from getting, you know, a reliable salary and doing all that, that was difficult because in the beginning, Perfectly Rawson was not nearly as busy as what I am now. So I actually had three jobs at the time you know, I did my perfectly awesome stuff. I was doing dog training and I was dog walking and dog sitting. So I was doing all this stuff at once to be able to make sure that I was be able to pay my bills. Now, as things grew, I stopped dog walking. I stopped pet sitting. And then I focused just on perfectly awesome and dog training.
0: Wow. I mean, like, you know, over here, I'm I'm actually literally holding my my my, my jaw because it was like a wow, you know, as you were going on, I'm like, Oh my gosh, she knows how to do all this website thing and SEO. I mean, all that technical jargon, which, you know, goes over my head. You know, uh, that's why I said left brain and right brain. I don't know. This little noggin of yours is really, um, it, it's it's beautiful. You have a beautiful mind, you know. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You know, I love the fact that you came from a, a fine arts background, uh, you know, because, um... I don't know. It's um, in Singapore, in Asia, um, which is a it's a we are a little red dot on the on the map, and we're like about one degree north of the equator, and our population is about five point seven million. We're a very small, you know, city state, and so everyone's very practical when it comes to survival. So mm-hmm. to even do a, a fine arts degree is not. Well. It's, it's not really the thing it's not practical at all it's not practical
1: (laughs) it's not (laughs) i mean so unless you're doing something like if you're doing graphic design and you're with the intention to do something with the like marketing advertising something like that but all other bfas so like if you go for painting um sculpture Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff you have to have some type of major artistic breakthrough to, if for it to be beneficial to you financially, you know, to support a life, essentially. Unless you become a teacher and you know, you teach people how to do that. Um, but no, a lot of art degrees, they're really, they're they're risky. <laughs> they really are risky to take, um, but I did it. <laughs>
0: Well, so did you have this artistic background since you were a little wee, a wee little baby? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I was in high school. I There was a program in my high school that had a gifted program for artistic people. I was actually placed in that program because um, I had to take a special test to be able to get into that program. Kind of like there's um, gifted... Programs for accelerated readers and things like that in our school systems here, they have the same thing for creative students. So I was in that um, all my life. I remember drawing. My my mom has boxes of things that I created when I was young. Um, so making that choice what seemed pretty natural at the time. Um, making the choice to become using my technical skills to pursue something that is more of a hot, like actual interest to me so dog nutrition and dog training i think i'm very grateful for that history you know that experience that i got because i don't think i would have perfectly rossen would not be what it is today without that
0: mm. have you have you always had dogs when, uh, since a child or was it yeah so you've you've always had animals around you when when you were young and I'm a- yeah. So my family, uh, my family comes
1: from hunting air. So my stepfather and my my I'm from a divorced family. So my stepfather and my father would have hunting dogs, um, for different purposes. So my stepfather had hunting dogs for ducks, and my dad would have have some for ducks too, but my grandfather would have beagles for tracking hounds. Um, so I grew up around a lot of working level dogs. Um, and that's kind of like what piqued my interest in the types of dogs that I work with now and the types of training that I do now. Um, we also had pet dogs too. So my mom was a fan of Dotsons. So my mom would always have a Datsun. Um so i was around the little short, short stubby dogs and then i had like you real dogs that would go out and do some work um, so yeah i grew up around dogs my whole life
0: and what what made you decide to go into the behavioral training part you know um, you know uh, when did you when did you make that 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 path to decide that oh i want to study dog behavior and get certified why was that
1: uh, you could kind of thank all my two adult dogs for being my teachers. Um, they, cause they all, they, both my adult dogs have their things that they taught me. So my border collie, um, he's not a typical border collie. He, he does, he has reactivity issues. He's aggressive. He gets dog aggressive. Um, so he's not what I would consider a normal pet. And he was my first dog. <laughs> so when you get that and you're like, oh no, I gotta do something about this. Because I also grew up knowing that you get an animal, that's your responsibility. And I'm very grateful for that being instilled in me because I, I didn't give up on him essentially. Um, so he taught me a lot about dealing with actual behavior. You know, the, you know the mindset of a dog. Why are you uh, feeling aggressive, or to the point that you need to be aggressive? Um, why are you feeling so anxious when it's raining outside? Because he—that's another issue that he has. He has some met storm reactivity issues. Um, so it's that's what got me interested into the cognitive portion of a dog to understand how we could take their mindset, adjust their environment, and train them. How to change that behavior in their brain. Because while we could suppress behavior and do all this other stuff externally, I wanna train the brain to be perceiving things differently, because that's where the real changes happen, is when you change how the brain perceives things. So that's what got me started in that. And then Loki comes around, which obviously he gave me the footpath for perfectly awesome. But Loki, he didn't come with aggressive issues. He's, act, he's actually quite a very normal dog in the sense of behavior around people and other dogs. He challenged me because he's a bully, an American bully. And that type of dog has a certain level of intensity that you, if you haven't experienced it, you kind of don't really know what I mean by that. They could get aroused and frustrated very quickly. And that, and he's a very, he's a muscular dog. And at the time when I first got him, I went from a, a petite little border collie, that's 35 pounds to a, basically a bull in a china shop. Um, and he, he's a big really jolly dude. So he's just like, woo, life's great. And then when he gets really amped up, he's like super muscle man in a china shop <clears throat> and he can hurt you not intentionally he's not like intending to hurt you but he can and he has hurt me many times he split my chin open before just jumping up and hitting me in the head um and this is just all arousal you know he's just really amped up and what that taught me is dealing with what people would consider drivey dogs dogs with a lot of motivation a lot of big feelings about doing things Um, He got me, my toes dipped into dog sports. So um, while Loki mentally is fantastic dog to do competitions with, he has the intensity and the drive and the motivation to do it. His body can't. So he's confirmationally just not a good dog. He has hip dysplasia. He ruptured a CCL a long time ago. So technically it would be unwise to compete with a dog like that. But he got me interested. Into dog sports because once you could control that level of arousal in a dog, you could do some cool things. And that's when you start to see those cool videos, you know, on YouTube of these people doing like these amazing heel work. And you know, I don't particularly work with in bite sports, but that's the type of dog or his intensity would lead to something like that. Um so that got me interested in getting a dog for competition and that's where quest came and that's what we got quest for and boy he lives up to his name he said you got me for doing the things and we are going to do the things
0: (laughs) Wow. oh Oh, wow yeah i like i said you know um your story is i love your story um you know uh (laughs) Like, and I, and I keep going back to your left brain and right brain. Gosh, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you, you, that's a lot of energy and commitment, you know. Um, what's your, uh, what's your, what's your average day? What does it look like? Uh, you know, um, normally. Well,
1: it's exhausting.
0: <laughs> I um, Wake up between, it could
1: be anywhere from 4.30 to 5 in the morning. Um get the dogs outside, get them just to potty. The adult dogs now, because they're just at the age where they're not like constantly needing stimulation. Um, I put them back at their resting spot and I, I gate them in the hallway in the morning. And that's when Quest is awake in the morning. Um, thankfully, since I've gotten him, I've instilled that in the morning, I have work to do, so you need to chill. So he just hangs out with me. So I'm glad I established that behavior. So from like f- five in the morning until like nine, I'm doing emails. I'm doing a bunch of stuff just for me, like my type of work that I need to accomplish. Um, that gets knocked out. I feed him Quest breakfast. He goes out to potty and he goes down for a nap for about two hours. And during that, that two hour nap is normally when I'm, I go take my adult dogs for a walk. And then I try to get some things done around my house. Um, sets so that's, that's two hours. It's not much time, but I get it get some stuff like life stuff done. And come noon, that's time I need to eat. But then that's time when I gotta train quest and exercise quest. So we'll do a training session, and then we'll likely do an exercise session. So like for today, I didn't really train him. I just traveled out to a friend's house with a pond, and he just swam for about an hour way I can make sure he was quiet for this video and not holler because um, if he if he doesn't get enough stimulation he gets bored and he lets me know how he feels um, so we went swimming today just to take that out and then that once he has his stimulation that sets him up to go for a nap for about three hours um, and that's when I'm doing phone consultations or um dog training in the afternoon. Like through video, phone conversations, things like that. Um, and that takes me until about 6 p.m. And that's when Quest is ready to come out again. So I normally just put him out in the yard at that time so I could get dinner cooked. Once dinner's done, um, I train with him more. Um, and we exercise again. So he needs constant. Every time he's out, he needs to be stimulated in some sort of way or he's going to make work for himself. (laughs) He's definitely one of those dogs that he needs a job, whether that job is running around, job, running around with my adult dogs or actually physically doing something. Um, And we're training for a lot of stuff right now. The main thing that we're training for is tracking. Um, we're doing AKC level tracking first and we're working towards our first competition, um, which is a tracking dog title. So we've been working on that and that actually, that stimulates him really well. He, he sleeps for a long time after tracking because it really gets his brain going. Um, and he's fantastic addict. So I'm excited where he's going to take us with that because I'm in an area where if he continues down the path that i see him in going in we could actually get into real life tracking work so things like game conservation we could do blood tracking for um like if a hunter goes and they shoot a deer and they can't find it and it's wounded we could actually go and help find that animal to make sure that it's humanely put down and not suffering um we could also do things like conservation work so there's certain types of rare birds and turtles out here um i could train him to be able to help find these animals in our wetlands so they could be tagged and monitored so there's some real life implications to the type of training that we're doing right now especially if he continues to show the success that he i see him doing at a very young age because he he blows me away sometimes. I'm like, you're only 10 and a half months old and you're, you're freaking me out. <laughs> it's fantastic. I'm excited, but I just, it's, it's crazy to see a puppy at that age. Cause he's going through sexual maturity right now. And he, you know, he's adolescent and there's a lot of things that are just changing. And sometimes when he has these beautiful breakthroughs, I'm like, you're acting like a three-year-old dog like right now. And it's
0: blowing me away. <laughs> um wow like i see jaw dropping this interview i keep dropping my jaw because it's so amazing where do you find the energy you know that that oh uh, food <laughs> i eat a lot of food
1: <laughs> my, my laptop's about to die let me grab my charger okay if you don't mind
0: no 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 i don't mind no worries everybody. This is a true real life superhero lady zooming around her house, doing so many things. You know, I don't know how she does it, how she gets it done, man. Cause you know, having three dogs like that and the way you're saying it, it's like, you have a lot of patience and stamina and mental discipline. That's the word for you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do. Th- I am. I've always said I am pretty patient. You have to be patient to be a dog trainer. Yeah. then if you're not, you're not gonna be very successful. Work <laughs> with a species that doesn't the same language as you. <laughs> um, so patience is really necessary there. But I think a lot of my patience and my people skills, um, and I'm saying people skills, because I feel like a lot of dog training actually is, a, is human training. It's, I mean, I could train my dogs because I know what to do. But when people hire me to train, I'm actually training them. The mm-hmm. dogs are secondary. Um, so I owe a lot of those, that skill development to my past career. That day site service,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sitting down with somebody and teaching them how to do a website in eight hours will teach you to be an excellent teacher, um, regardless of what you're teaching because I had people all walks of life come through the door from people who actually knew how to use a computer to people who did not. <laughs> so that, and that's polar opposite, right? You know, you, you face different challenges with that. Um, and I do owe a lot to that patience factor being developed there. Cause you you're face to face with that person for eight hours. You can't, <laughs> like, you cannot show an ounce of frustration because then that's gonna spoil your whole day and nothing's gonna get accomplished. And it's all about my mindset and things like that. But yeah, patience is something I've always said. I've had. Um, I am very disciplined. <laughs> A I'll lot of people <laughs> joke about <laughs> calendar. Um, I have. To, I live my life by Google Calendar pretty much. Like, I, I every Sunday. I sit down and I revisit my calendar to make sure I don't you need know, to update it or anything like that. But everything in my life is pretty much scheduled and I think that's important, especially with all the things that I have going on between the business, my dogs, school. And then on top of that, my own life and my husband, you know, <laughs> like, so that, that's and we're just gonna say that's all secondary because <laughs> everything else comes first. Mm, yes, you have
0: a husband somewhere, huh?
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, I have to schedule everything, because if I don't, nothing will get done um, in in an effective way. Um, And I feel like I fall apart. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know what to do. I don't have guidance. So, Google Calendar is like my my North store.
0: <laughs> Whoa, okay. So what what would be um, the essential tools that you must have to function besides Google Calendar, you know, to, to make your day, you know, kosher?
1: To make it work? Um, my administrative coordinator, she's not technology, but she's a human body and I need her. I need her so much. <laughs> How long have you um, since February, and she is fantastic. Her name is Michelle Lowe, um, I'm sure you've seen yep. her. She's yep. an admin in Reading university. Yep. She has a cert c see- just like me. It's fantastic, she is fabulous. She answers my emails every day for the most part. If there's something that she can't handle, I handle it, obviously. Um, so she d- deals with my basic customer service-related emails, um, making sure my projects are scheduled correctly, things like that. Um, so I absolutely need her in my life because I do not miss doing her job at all.
0: <laughs> Wait, dial it back a bit. You had her only since February this year. Yeah. yeah. So you? Yeah, been, I've been, doing been this solo. all by myself. So you've been solo solo. What more than five years, kind of thing? Yep, and you've been and you've managed to get your certification and your training, your nutrition, your sports agility. Holy cow! And you still look so good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a little ragged today because I had to go outside. Oh, I don't know, you look pretty fresh to me. Um, no, I absolutely need Michelle. I don't miss doing her work. Um, but outside of having a fantastic administrative coordinator, um in terms of technology that we use, we use the full Google suite. So I love obviously Google Calendar, but um, Google Drive, so all of you know documents, spreadsheets, all that fantastic stuff. I love Trello. Trello is my pro- our project management software that we use to keep track of. Um, so we keep track of meal plans, like what phase they're in in the process. We keep track of how we're writing articles. So what articles I want to write, where they are in the pipeline in terms of being completed. Because I also have a marketing team now. Um, so my marketing people help me as well in that process. So there's like some moving components and Trello helps keep track of all that. And more, it's Michelle to handle Trello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't have to do it anymore. <laughs> amazing, um, amazing. Yeah,
1: so those two, oh, and I recently started using, it's called Calendy, like Calendy.com, where yeah, you Calend-y. scheduled my appointment with me. Um, I actually gonna thank Scott at Raw uh, the Dog Dad yeah. for recommending that to me because that's been a lifesaver in terms of automating my consultation booking because originally we were contacting people to schedule mm-hmm. through email but now the, they are able to just select based off of my availability there
0: yeah and that what I actually it use for my podcast as well I, I do that as well especially with I'm in Singapore, and all of you lovely people, you know, um, you're in the US or in the UK, somewhere around the world. So Calendly is actually a really good software where you know any time of the day they click the link and they choose according to their schedule, plan. And what I like about it is that um, it shows the time based on their geographic location, you know. Right. So that's where Michelle got a bit confused because she saw when I when I emailed back and you know I said three a.m. She's you know. <laughs> she's like, Friday, no. Like, no she's, not. she's not gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I said, No, oh, it's my time, your time. It's all kosher, it's good, it's all right, you know. But, yeah, that's really good software, that one, Calendly Very useful. Yeah, I like it a lot, and that's
1: made my life a lot our lives a lot easier, me and Michelle. So, um, and that's pretty much all I use, obviously outside of like things like PayPal, where I need to collect payment and things like that. But I don't really use any crazy software um, other than my formulation software, you know, stuff like that. But in terms of running what you would consider a business, that's what I I use. I'm pretty, I guess you could say, in the cloud. My husband would smack me if he'd hear me say that. Like, there's no such thing as the cloud. It's all a server.
0: (laughs) Oh. I, I keep saying left brain and right brain. Very beautiful. You've got a beautiful mind. Uh. <laughs> it's really awesome. Thank uh, you. Um, okay, so say um you get a client that comes to you and say like you know I would like to to get a dog. Uh, how how would you go through the process? You know, uh, based with your multiple skill sets, you know, with the nutrition and training the science that you have, right? How would you go about to advise and guide um, uh, a client like that?
1: So like if someone just says, hey, I want a dog, can you
0: help me? Mm. Can you advise?
1: Okay, so I generally, if someone asks me that, I turn around and ask them questions. So I'm going to ask you questions for asking me the question. Um, I generally want to make sure that the dog is the right fit for the family. Everything else comes secondary. Because if you never get the right dog for what you envision, that romantic idea of having a dog to be, it's not gonna be enjoyable for you. So researching to the appropriate dog is the step number one. So that's why I'm always asking questions based off of that. What are your grooming requirements? That's actually very important. Do you wanna take the dog to the groomer every four to six weeks? Or do you want something that's really low maintenance? um what are what do you plan on doing in terms of physical activity and that actually matters because if you get a high energy high drive dog and you don't expect to walk them more than 30 minutes a day you're gonna have a problem a real big problem um and then in other i A lot of people talk about looks and stuff like that. And I think that, you know, that obviously comes secondary in terms of finding the right temperament and fit for your home. Um, Grooming and activity are the two big ones because, you know, like if you could get a dog that's low energy, but if you don't want to have to deal with the Yorkie coat, you know, that nice slick coat that you have to brush and groom all the time. um, It's not, it's not going to be enjoyable. It's expensive. If you don't learn how to groom it yourself, um, and let's be fair, a lot of home people who do home grooming, their poor dogs, end up looking like got in a fight with more. (laughs) So um, so that's what I ask first. And then based off of that information is what I'll advise them. Um, Obviously, if you want a dog with, if you don't care about grooming requirements, okay, then we'll focus on a dog. We'll find, let's find a dog that meets your other requirements, like a dog that's going to be in terms of activity suitable for you. So if you want a high drive dog and you don't care about the, you know, the coat, you you got the world's kind of your oyster in that part. You know, you got border collies, you got German shepherds, you got uh, uh, all these really working level dogs with big coats. Um, If you actually care about that, then obviously that narrows down our search. So that's kind of like what I look at there. And then everything else will come secondary. So in terms of behavior, um, if they want to get a puppy, um, I'm pretty straightforward with puppies suck. They really do. They're adorable to look at. They suck to live with. Um, It's just because of all the behavior, developmental periods that puppies go through. Um, It's a very to have a puppy and they're going to be beautiful and you can cuddle with them and sleep with them all the time, but that's not the case. They tend to bite and they tend to destroy things and they poop and they pee and they cry and they, they bite, <laughs> they bite a lot. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm, I'm honest about that. So I just, um, if you want a puppy, fantastic, but look, you should be aware of this. This is gonna happen, and this is pretty normal. You know, puppies bite. You have to potty train them. They're gonna cry at night. It's like having a newborn for a little while until you get through that that phase. You know, until the dog can hold its bladder all night. Um, If they're okay with that, then fantastic. Let's let's find a puppy that's suitable for you and set you up with some training. You know, we could start early that way. If you get that puppy, uh, whether it's a rescue or a purebred from a breeder, ideally an ethical breeder, <laughs> that we could start as early as you get that dog and set the dog up for success so it doesn't develop behavior that we consider a problem. Um, now, if it's an adult dog, if they, can't deal, if they don't wanna deal with the puppy situation and they want an older dog, obviously that would either be through a rescue situation or some ethical breeders re rehome their older dogs from their line. It's just that's how the process goes. So if that's options for them, if you want to go to a shelter, let's go to a shelter. If you want to get a purebred from a breeder, let's try to find that option for you. Um, Either way is totally fine. The only thing in terms of rescues and shelters, I am also honest with that too. The caveat with getting a rescue is sometimes we don't really know what the behavior the dog's going to show. What the behavior you see in a rescue scenario or in a shelter is going to be different from when the dog is actually settled in the home. And it could be told like radically different. The dog could be fine. And then just it, they say flip the switch and the dog's different. No, the dog's just comfortable and showing you his true colors. That's really what happens. So that's, and I'm honest about it. That's just something you have to be mindful of if you want to rescue a dog, an adult dog. We don't know the baggage that it's carrying or, you know, the things that it's been through, whatever that may be. And there, there's happy, normal shelter dogs, too. It's just there's things that we should be mindful of and be proactive about it instead of reactive. So I'd rather kind of approach it that way. Um, whereas with a dog that's from an ethical breeder that's just being rehomed, they could tell us the history of that dog. And if they would suspect anything that could happen, whether it's medical or behavioral. Um, but the thing when you get a an older dog is that they always have a history of some type of behavior you don't like. <laughs> and that's because the dog has practiced that behavior for X amount of years. You get a three-year-old dog that's been counter surfing for three years. You don't like it. Well, you have to break three a three-year habit of counter surfing. Or... You rescue a dog that barks at dogs on the walk. He's frustrated, and he's been doing it for three years or five years. If you get an older one, mm-hmm. you have to break that habit. So there's just work that goes into that. So just, I just try to be as honest with people as possible, and I don't think people like that. <laughs> well, then it's silly to be getting a dog I, in that sense. I know. I and it and the reason why I say that is I it's recently happened to me. I had. A high school friend recently sent me a private message and said, Hey, I want to get myself an English bulldog puppy. And I said, yes, because he was asking me if I could help him find a breeder. And I told him, I was like, it's going to be very expensive, not only to buy a puppy like that, but to own a puppy like that. From my experience in training and nutrition, every English bulldog I've worked with, they had hip dysplasia, you know, like joint issues, um, negatively impacts impacts life regardless of age. Um, so I told them that. And then I was like, I've also worked with some bulldogs, while they're physically built great, internally they don't work right. So, like, I've worked with dog uh, English bulldogs with liver issues and kidney issues and all this other stuff. So I told him in general, the breed what is not a healthy breed.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a so you're going to, right. You're going to end up just, you're going to get a puppy and you're going to love the puppy, but it's going to be an expensive dog. And if that's something you, you can't do, it's better to know about it now before it's too late. And you're like, I have this dog. That's a major expense. Cause he also has children. Mm-hmm. He has three children, small children. Right. So I was like, so I, it sounds like he wanted an English bulldog because they're very low, ma- like low energy. They're not like a border collie. <laughs> yeah. So I, I asked him, I was like, if that's what you're looking for, a medium to small sized dog, short coat, low energy, there's other breeds we could pursue. Mm-hmm. And then in the age of his children and his children are all under four years of age. And I told him, I was like, I'll be honest, I don't think a puppy is good to add to that. Yeah because not only not only a puppy requires its own set of training, you know, potty training, fit, obedience training to live in your house, not chew your things and bite you. When you put a puppy, a young puppy in with a group of small children, it's like chaos. They feed off of each other. They the puppy bites the kid, the kid screams, the puppy gets excited. It's all just mayhem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yes. Awesome. So chaos. Yeah, so, and I was honest with him and I told him all that. And um, I don't think
0: he likes that. I think he was just really hoping that I would say, here's a breeder. <laughs> no, but that makes uh, you a responsible teacher, you know, very, very ethical, right. very professional, which your friend should actually be very grateful to have because I wish I would have someone like that, you know, in, in, in my part of the world because um, I think not many people are like you thinking that way you know and and looking at it like a long term in terms of cost and and um managing the expectations of the human being because we all have a very romantic idea of you know molly and me you know kind of thing or a lassie that they want um but in real life you know uh put that in a mix of your everyday grind and your home you know also depends on what kind of home you have um it might not be a good fit so your right. friend's actually really lucky to have you, you know. Right,
1: and and I wouldn't doubt that he will get an English bulldog anyway. Yeah, but and that's happened to me before too. Like I've seen, oh, it's it's all. I live in an, a small area, small country area. So, in terms of how I deal with dogs and nutrition and training, I'm very progressive for my area. Incredibly progressive. Um. A lot of my area is, I don't know if you're familiar with the term crank and yank. Um, no. People put on prong collars on dogs and like they will hang dogs okay. on prong collar. Ow, That's ow. pretty common mentality here. And I don't train like that. I use some very different methods than what people are used to um, without using that form of equipment. And and in general, with just how I hand, like I deal with dogs in my life is pretty different than what people deal, do with here. A lot of dogs out here in the South live outside in kennels versus in home, which I don't, that's not a problem for me. I'm okay with having an outdoor dog. If your outdoor dog is in one, a secure fenced in area that cannot get out or nothing can get in. Um, and your dog's stimulated. So keeping your dog in the backyard is no different than keeping them locked in the house. They're gonna be bored, right? As long as your dog's stimulated, I'm fine with, you know, take him out for a walk, let's go swimming, you know, have a good time with your dog. Where he sleeps, that's as long as he has a bed to sleep from the, and the elements in the world, so he's not too hot, he's not freezing, you know, not water like sitting in water. Um, I'm okay with that. <clears throat> But a lot of people here, they there's dog kennels. I'm sure you've seen them, like at a boarding facility. They're like six by six kennels, okay. and dogs are actually living in these kennels outside here, and that's pretty normal. Um, I don't like that because these dogs literally live in these kennels and don't do anything else. That's that's it's prison. almost like a prison. Yeah, yeah, it's prison, um, and they only get to come out once or twice a week to run in the yard with the family and that's a lawn ornament to me that's not you know you that's you have a sentient being that has mental and physical needs so i don't necessarily like that (laughs) so i'm very different than a lot of dog owners here Um, now don't get me wrong there's a lot of pet people here that love their dogs and their dogs live inside with them and they do all this other stuff but in terms of how I approach with dealing with a dog in terms of nutrition and behavior in our daily life I'm so progressive compared to people out here Mm -hmm. and when I tell them things like that I tell them it kind of like blows their mind or they're just not they don't want to listen to it because it's kind of been like I've always done this. So it's good. I'm going to always do this mentality. Mm -hmm. Um, Another example is that I went to a a girl I went to high school with. She posted on Facebook that her, she found a dog and it was pregnant and she kept, she kept the dog and she's actually, she was feeding it. So good for her. You know, thank you (laughs) for doing that for that animal. And she posted saying when the puppies were ready, she was going to give them to free homes. So I messaged her privately instead of saying it, you know, in public on her post. I said, please, if there's anything that you do, wait until eight weeks of age before you separate them. And she didn't know that that was a thing. So I explained behavior, all that kind of stuff, the reason why you want to do that. And I'm not kidding you. She sprayed those puppies at six weeks old and gave them away. So <laughs> that's why I'm saying like, these people are still likely going to do the complete opposite of what I recommend, but at least I know it's off my
0: conscience and I told them not to do it. Wow. It it must take a lot because I mean, the the vibe that I get from you're very, you're, you're very focused, but you're a very passionate lady, you know, um, you know, in very strong beliefs as well. And for you to like you say, you know, you're a minority and very progressive in, in your community and yet, you know, um, you're probably like a lone ranger, I think, over there. You know, how, how do you cope with that wall of ignorance and mentality? I mean, it's, it's not easy. I, I don't know. I mean, like, how do you do that? How, how- I, I've always been that person
1: that has taken an against-the-grain approach, just with anything in life. But the more I get resistance on anything, I feel like that just adds fuel to my fire. It's just like, well, I'm just gonna work harder and prove
0: all y'all. All. <laughs> oh, see, super lady. Super. <laughs> I mean, I think, man, I would have loved to bet you when you were a little one because you must have been really a, a real Spitfire little one, you know? And then, like, oh, horrible. <laughs> yeah, I know That's horrible. I would love I-
1: I was very um, defiant. <laughs> I had, and I still do have a very big attitude. Um, I and you're right. I do have big beliefs, and I I will stand by my beliefs. I will fight for them. Um, but if there's one thing I I think I do do is I am I I am pretty empathetic. So while I do have big opinions, I will sit there and listen to you. Um, and I don't try to belittle people either. So like, while you might not necessarily agree with me, I'm not gonna sit there and attack you for disagreeing with me. So that's one thing. That's another thing that's quite different about me as a dog trainer too, is in, I'm sure you're aware in the, the raw feeding world, there's people who believe in PMR and then there's the barf people and blah, 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 all this the stuff. raw there's politics. <laughs> right, it's politics, exactly. Um, The dog training world is so much worse. It it's so incredibly competitive and cutthroat and full of drama and politics. It's it's a really weird community, and it's strange because all we're all here to just work with dogs and have a good time, but yet we're just trying to cut each other at the throat. It just, it's so strange to me. Um, Now, in terms of the dog community, there is I'm sure you've of it there's like the balance trainers and then there's like the force-free positive trainers that like that those types of camps right kind of like pmr and barf (laughs) there's right (laughs) um in terms of what i do in training people will qualify me as a positive trainer because i don't use e-collars uh e-collars prong collars or um the slip chains um Everything I use is through positive reinforcement, but that's not to say I don't use a form of what we call punishment for consequences. My my forms of punishment is not through force, intimidation, fear, or pain. It comes through the actual four quadrants. So, like for technical sense, um, when you give a dog a cookie treat, that's positive reinforcement. But then if I withhold the treat, that's negative. So in terms of how things are happening in everyday life, punishment and constant punishment or rewards are always happening. I'm just not physically trying to scare or hit the dog or, you know, do things to make them do what I want. I rather just teach them like, Hey, let's try to get you to do this. And then you get some cool things after. And the more I could train the dog to do the positive things and deposit good um we call a deposit in the bank <laughs> reinforce the behavior with good things that behavior is more likely going to occur so if i'm just constantly reinforcing what i want to see that's what my dog's going to show me um so in terms of the dog training world i'm in that positive camp but i don't necessarily ag- agree with being called that because <laughs> um because i'm a little different than a lot of the positive people too Um, in that respect, a lot of people, force-free people don't agree with using a crate. Right. That blows my mind. I, if there, Quest is in a crate right now. (laughs) If he was not in a crate, you'd see his little spotty butt running all around me and picking up things and doing things behind me because I wasn't giving him supervision. He's going to find himself work (laughs) if there's nothing to do. The crate is a fantastic way for me to manage his behavior if I cannot give him supervision, and that's safety because there I have plants in this house that if he would eat some of these plants, he'd die. Right. So, it's so it's that's a, even a safety mechanism. Like, my dog could physically harm himself. Mm-hmm. So, in that discussion, the crate is actually a, a kinder option, yeah, than dying from eating a plant. <laughs> um, so yeah it's in terms of that you get you get that and you, there's that conflict all the time mm. people are always just like my way this way and all that and i just i just see it as okay well you are constantly telling me i can't do it the way i'm gonna do it well i'll come back in like a few weeks and show you uh, mm. i can do it <laughs> and that's what i'm really excited about having quest because he's he is a very high drive dog and my goal is to accomplish, to train him to do these competition level things without having to use those methods. Um, and I have friends that use different training methods than me, like actual people that I talk to every day. She, um, her, an example is Emily Shirey, hope I'm pronouncing her last name right. She's the creator of short hairs and shotguns. I don't know if you're familiar with her on Instagram, but she had, she does all German short hair pointer training for hunting. So she does actual work with her dogs and she trains totally different than me, but we could sit down and have a conversation and discuss our differences like normal people, (laughs) um, and walk away as friends. Whereas I see a lot of people in the raw community that doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. Um, also, I mean, honestly, in the dog training, it doesn't either, but I think it needs to happen more Mm -hmm. because I learn a lot from people who do things differently than me, whether it's nutrition or dog training. So while I might not train in the same methods as them, I will watch what they're doing to pick up on methods that they're doing and how I could modify it for myself. Um, and when I get like, especially if like, I'm in this area and that's kind of what I'm hoping to shed light on with people around here, change their mind. Like, Hey, I, you don't really need to hang your dog by a prong collar to get them to do what you want. Can I show you, <laughs> can I show you a kinder way? Um, so I, in a in an area where I, I guess you would call me a minority in that sense, you know, of how I train, I kind of look at it as a challenge.
0: You're like, you're like a canine biohacker. <laughs> and I am not, by all means,
1: I am not the most excellent trainer. There's a lot better trainers
0: no, but um, the, what you're describing is basically you're like a hacker where you 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 pick up the good stuff that you see mm-hmm. and you go like hmm this looks this works out well how can I how like you said how can I modify it to to help me you know, in my work to make me better and make and help the, the dog that I'm training with working with better. And, you know, that that reverse engineering, that biohacking, well, this is what I will call it, you know, that's very much you, I think, you know. Um, and you're right, the raw feeding world um, is a lovely world, but yet so complicated and quite scary sometimes. Um, to be honest, there's only two raw feeding groups that I'm, that I'm, um, Happy and proud to be a member of on Facebook And that's the Raw Feeding University that you are in And Scott's group, the Raw Feeding 101 The rest that I've tried, stepped in And then I had a look around, bye-bye Thank you very much, but no thank you Um, I I like both yours because um, Number one, I think um, respectful You guys are respectful uh, plus you know, Sometimes they make me Want to choke them Yeah And then at the same time Like you don't take crap You know If you're rude Bye bye You know We we don't have that yeah, I don't have time for that Yeah <laughs> I don't And I, I like the fact that You know You're open to um, The different types of raw do, do you think You know You could explain very Very quickly You know Like what is raw food nutrition like to a newbie? Like, you know, what are the options? Because, like you said, there's PMR and then there's bath, and then you know, there's some call it like Franken bath, or you know, um, is there a is there a better, superior method or no? Or do you do it based on the dog itself? I mean, how do you how would you approach the approach it with a client?
1: So with a client, it's always based off of the dog and what they have available to them. Because I could recommend, hey, can you feed this? And they they can't find it in their local area, then I can't do that. Um, but in terms of the diet types, oh, that's vast and wide. You have prey model that could be whole prey or Franken prey. So whole prey being the actual whole intact animal, fur and feathers, all the organs, all the blood, pretty much the animal. Franken prey is assembling different pro- animal products together to create what we would consider PMR ratios, 80-10-10. Um, then you have BARF that is pretty much the same as PMR, but it includes vegetables, seeds, dairy, fruit, all the other extra fixins that is not the same as animal protein. Um, and then there's the specialized diet. So you have keto, I'm sure you've heard of keto, which is just high fat, um, <coughs> moderate protein, no carbohydrates. Then you have things like there's then they get specialized diets. So you have low purine. There are certain dogs that have different kidney function. A Dalmatian is an example. They cannot have purines in their food. So that means they can't eat organs. Um, so they haven't, they need a specialized diet. Then you have, uh, let's see, what's another type of diet? There is commercial raw, and typically commercial raw is going to be balanced to an, a standard. So if you're in the United States, that would be AFCO. And then if you're in the uh, European area, that would be FDF. So uh, commercial foods could be balanced in that situation. And that those guidelines are just guidelines set by AFCO FDF for essential nutrients, kind of similar to the NRC. Which is what I formulate as, but that's not that's not a guideline that food is sold as as commercially. It's either Afco or FDF, but Afco and FDF use NRC research. <laughs> They're all connected. <laughs> um, and then in commercial, you could also do HPP, so that's high pressure pasteurization. That goes through a process to sterilize the food. That way, it's considered safe. Um, and sterilization happens in the terms of removing all bacteria, so good and bad is sterilized at that point. I particularly am not a big fan of HPP, but it's better than kibble, so if you feed HPP, it's better than kibble. Um, I also recommend HPP to dogs who end up having um, internal surgeries, So like if your dog had blockage or emergency blockage or bloat or something that we had to cut up in the stomach or the intestines or something like that. um, Because the vet typically recommends feeding a cooked diet, a bland cooked diet, because we could sterilize the food and make it easy on digestion. HPP would be the raw option of that because it's a sterile food. um, And it's going through that process to make it easy for digestion. Um, But I think, that is pretty much all like what you would call like diets everything else would be specialized based off of medical condition so like if you have kidney disease then you would, your animal would need a renal diet based off of their blood work um there's certain dogs with specific like stones that need um protein moderation so that that just gets really in the weeds of medical at that point but that's the general diet types. Um, so when I approach it with a client, it's more like what life stage is your dog. So if we have an adult or a puppy, so that kind of tells me how we have nutrients that we need to feed that animal. And then we look at things like what is available to you, what types of proteins and all this organs and meats and bones and stuff because what I have available to me is not going to be the same too especially cause we're on opposite sides of the world. Right. Um, our sourcing is going to be different. So for my clients, they actually get a homework assignment. Um, right now their homework assignment is kind of voided because of the COVID thing. But the homework assignment is to, when you sign up your plan is to document, go so grocery shop. What, what can you find? Can you find beef liver? Can you find, beef? Kidney? you know, like tell me these things that you could actually find um, if you need to be budget conscious, then tell me the price per pound. Cause then I could actually start to make sure I'm selecting ingredients that could help make sure your budget doesn't go overboard. Yeah. Um, so they get a homework assignment and they tell me this stuff. And I use that information to bake their meal plans based for, based off of what their dog needs. Um, right now, because of COVID, we are not doing the homework assignment because I, I don't want to promote people going to five different stores and touching things and it's just not safe right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of adjusted my meal plan service. Um, if you're in the U S there's multiple, uh, raw feeding suppliers throughout the U S that I could use as like a guideline if they want and I'll choose it based off of their location um for shipping fees obviously. The closer they are to that one, the less shipping that they have to pay. Um or if the client tells me, Hey, can you please use common ingredients found in a grocery store, I will do that. Cause I could if the, if you're in the US in particular, I could guesstimate you're always gonna get beef. You could always find well, pork's a little limited right now because of the issue, but in general, in a normal situation, beef and pork is in your grocery store. We could get chicken bones. So chicken wings and um, chicken feet are pretty common. Beef liver is typically found in the, the frozen section. So I know these, there are certain common ingredients that almost every grocery store could have, and the client could tell me, hey, just use that, and I do. Um so that's kind of like how that process works. So I can make sure that what I provide, they could reproduce. Cause the last thing I want to do is provide a recipe or a meal plan that is just not
0: practical. Mm-hmm. Cause then what you, what's the point of it being custom yeah. at that point? Exactly. Oh, wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of left brain, right brain going on there. But, wow. It's amazing. Um, do you, would you say, um, I mean, like being, a, I'm a raw feeder myself, but like to a person who doesn't know, and they're thinking about switching. I mean, in terms of cost, um, even with say your custom meal plan or whatever. I mean, um, buying a commercial processed diet, you know, versus a, a raw food diet. Would you say it's more cost effective long term?
1: It's definitely cheaper to do it your, do it yourself than a commercial product. Now, that also depends on the size of the dog that you have. Honestly, if I had, let's say, a five-pound dog, and that's you. it, I'm going to feed it commercial. Like, It's not going to cost me much a month. It's going to be easier for that dog. But in terms of like my situation, I have three dogs that I feel like they go through so much food. <laughs> Quest eats so much as a puppy right now. I'm feeding close to five pounds of food a day. So if I would feed commercial, that would bleed me dry financially. So I just, I rather spend the time to do the DIY. So one thing I like to tell people, um, and I've said this many times, that regardless of what industry we're looking at, there's two things in life that you're going to spend time or money. If you want convenience, you're going to spend money. If you want to save money, you have to save, spend time. And that doesn't matter what you're buying. It could be a certain, like it could be lawn care service. It could be graphic design work. It could be dog training. It could be a custom meal plan or it doesn't matter what it is. If you want to save time, you have to spend money. If you want to save money, you have to spend time. It's just kind of like the the beast of what this world is. <laughs>
0: Oh, very wise words from a very experienced <laughs> lady. And you've been doing, <laughs> what, uh, five five plus years now? Roth huh. reading? Yeah, it's 2015. Feeding. I was reading Roth rough probably for about two
1: years before I created Perfectly Rawson. So since 2013. Okay. Something like that.
0: And how, how would you describe your, your raw feeding style with your dogs? What, what do you feed them? Oh, what I can get my hands on
1: right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, In an ideal world, when my sourcing is normal, um, which right now my freezers are stocked for the next two months, but I'm getting a little nervous because having to bulk order meat right now is not the easiest thing to do in my location. Um, But in a normal situation, um, I feed a lot of wild game. And that's primarily because of my location and the people I know. Um, Venison is the primary meat that I feed. Um, My family also, they recently stopped, but they used to farm pigs. So I would get scraps from that. Um, And then I'll do poultry products for raw meaty bones. So turkey, turkey chicken and duck. Um, I have a local slaughterhouse. That's like five minutes from a house that I could get all the organs that I ever need from them. So that's typically what I do. I'll just make an order every few months and get a whole bunch of organs from them. Um, but my typical diet that I feed my dogs would, I guess if you want to put it in a term of a diet type, it would fall, I guess, more in, in the barf style. Because I do feed vegetables, and I used to not feed vegetables um, until recently. Um, one, my puppy does much better with vegetables in terms of stool consistency. Um, his stools are more formed and have better bulk for expressing his anal glands with vegetables. Um, now, my other two dogs, Loki, we eat grass all the time so I'm just like well let's just try to continue with some vegetables um I did some things like wheat grass powder in some green blends and that seems to curb that behavior um a border collie he's always been a dog that kind of doesn't eat vegetables until I started playing around with those antioxidant mash blends and now he eats all of them, which is fantastic. So, if I mean if he eats it, fantastic. I'll just add it to your bowl. Um, so, I guess in terms of what I normally feed, it would fall in terms of barf. But I do a lot of game. So, I guess you could say it's like a hybrid of Frank and Prey barf, whatever. I I
0: feed my dogs raw food. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Oh well. Um- you know, I just had a look at a time and we've actually gone over and, you know, um, I just wanted to thank you so much for for giving me your time because um, I know what a busy lady you are. I mean, do you get any sleep ever? What time do you, do yes. you- I go to bed really early. <laughs> <laughs> I go early. <laughs> uh, no,
1: it's true. People call me an old lady. I am in bed anywhere from 9 to 9.30 p.m. at night. Wow. I, I take my sleep very seriously. Um, and people think that it's it's so strange to hear me say that because they're like, you do so much. Do you ever sleep? And the reason why I do so much is because I do sleep because if I wouldn't sleep, I would not function. I need at least eight hours of sleep. (laughs) Um, and on the weekends, because I don't work on the weekends, um, thankfully that I actually schedule one nap. In the week on the weekends, (laughs) it's like a rule that I have for myself. I have to sleep. And me and Scott, (laughs) we had that conversation a while back. He's like, How do you sleep? I'm like, Dude, how do you not sleep? Like, (laughs)
0: this is upsetting me. You need to go to bed. (laughs) No, but it's true, you know. I because I used to be a workaholic and I worked through, you know, the night or whatever. And I, I, I used to function with very little sleep, but I think as we all grow older. Um, And with the demands of your job The way you're doing things um, Sleep is very important Because your brain is forever working And seeing how your brain functions Through your websites And I mean I had a look at your optimal canine as well I'm like How does she do this? There's only 24 hours a day (laughs) And I was like And she's got three dogs Do you have any other pets? Did you use the ferrets or something like that? I used to I had two,
1: one of them passed away. That's just the sad fate of Marshall ferrets. They don't live very long.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: because they were a bonded pair, the the one that was alive, he got so depressed
0: mm-hmm. and it was
1: upsetting. Like he was, his behaviors weren't normal from what I was used to for, from him. So I wasn't in the, I didn't want to get another ferret and go through that whole process again. So I, I found someone who raw fed had two other ferrets and she also has a ferret proof room so they're free roam oh, so wow. he hit the jackpot <laughs> <laughs> i rehomed him to her and he's his best life
0: yeah because i remember in the early days of perfectly rawsome you had videos with a ferret because yeah that's what i remember Am mm-hmm. I dating myself too With you But yeah You know I think that's how long I've been following you When you had your ferret um, And I think You you actually did Like videos Of, of your ferret Also eating raw um, Yep Also
1: They took me Six months To transition them But they eventually Got on raw um, And they did Really well on it It was just It was very expensive To feed them raw Because they're For some
0: They're so difficult
1: <laughs> <laughs> Berets are just like cats when it comes to feeding, <laughs> um, they're so hard, they have that imprinting behavior, and I tried to do, like, the whole pieces of, like, DIY, kind of like what you do, I do with my adult dogs, but it, it just got to a, a pain, they wouldn't eat, so I would, I found myself buying ground products, like ground bone, and things like that, which is more expensive than what I typically spend on what my dogs eat, um, because not buying a grinder. I was not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they were really expensive for me in comparison to what I was, like, on average spending per pound for my dogs. I was like, you little fuzzy things. eating! You're eating my bank account.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, well, speaking on a very touchy subject, money, um, would you mind sharing, like, what's your average spend for your dog? Because you've got three big, well, working dog size. Um how much would you say do you average doing what you do, your style of feeding, uh, cost-wise?
1: Let me pull up my spreadsheet. Oh, I, I
0: love know. this lady. She's got a spreadsheet. <laughs> <Yeah>,
1: recently <laughs> updated it um, because I had to redo their diet a little bit because my sourcing is not normal right now. Um, it's cool covid able. Right. I, I mean, I'm feeding over like, 150 pounds of stuff a month so it's not like I could just go to the grocery store and load up on meat right now because there's limits on what I could buy um I'm very fortunate that I still in my freezer I did a stop count I have still 120 pounds of deer meat left until that runs out so I have time um because getting raw meaty bones that's not going to be a problem for me it's the actual meat that's gonna be weird but so I had to redo um, a spreadsheet to track everything. So, in terms of like average cost per pound, I'm spending around $2 per pound. Um, and that's including the free deer meat. So, if I was to change that price to what I would pay for for beef over here, so I'm going to put $3.50 a pound in that spreadsheet for beef because get it around that cost that would bring up my cost to three dollars a pound of what I'm spending. Um so request quest a month is two hundred dollars. If I would be using um costs with beef if I have free meat so free venison that would that brings my cost down to $150 a month for just Quest. Um, now Pika and Loki, you could probably double quest quests amount to account for Pika and Loki because they quest eats pretty much what they eat combined. Um, so I would say right now I'm spending about 300 a month um, for all three. So it's really not that bad when you think that's about
0: actually, it. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, because but- I have three
1: decent, stuff. like I have really not big dog. Quest is the biggest one, but and the one that's eating the most, he eats close to three pounds a day. Um, Loki's He's a, a little puppy, older.
0: right? He's a puppy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, he and Loki eats a little over a pound, um, close to a pound and a half. And Pika is slightly over a pound. Um, so yeah, three hundred a month for three dogs that is eating a substantial amount of food. That's exactly. A really good cost, even at if I would have to pay for my venison, but thank God that's free <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I have yet to learn how to do costs and spreadsheets like like you do um would you would you be able to teach clients how to do that so that they they can monitor their their budget? yeah, so
1: it's funny that you asked that, so little s- sneak peek or I guess I could leak some information. (laughs) I am actually working on a course uh, for raw feeding right now. And it's going to be very specific to learning how to effectively meal prep. Um, So a lot of people are quite amazed by whenever I used to meal prep, how quickly I could do it. Um, Because I used to prep for two dogs here locally. I would prep 60 meals total so 30 meals for each dog and i would get that done in like an hour and a half (laughs) and people were always blown away by how fast i would do it so i'm trying to take my process and putting it into a step-by-step um course so i could teach people how to do it and part of that course is budget calculations and tracking and all that kind of stuff Because part of having an effective meal prep is to be able to create shopping lists and document your costs and all these types of adult life things.
0: Yeah, the real (laughs) stuff where money comes in, you know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And okay, because I I remember perfectly well, so you actually do with cats as well, you know? I used to. I had someone helping me
1: at the time. Um but she's no, no longer doing cat stuff anymore. She decided to step down and focus on her family, which I don't blame her. Tracy Dion from Catcentric, She's fantastic. I love her, but she has stepped down from her position totally so that she could focus on her grandchildren and things like that. Totally fine. So that's the only downside is I don't do meal plans for cats. I have information for cats. Um, but I don't do meal plans for them just simply because I'm, I'm not by no means an expert with a cat. I don't even own a cat. Um, poor thing would die in this house. <laughs> 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 not to be like crass, but it would.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I am, I'm a, I'm a raw feeder. I'm a, I'm a animal wo- volunteer animal welfare advocate plus I do fostering adoption so I actually am a community cat caregiver as well so I foster and, and adopt out cats so like my current household right now I've got like 12 cats and one dog I used to have two dogs but my senior passed on you know um, and, 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 and it's okay I, I think of him but you know um, it's time when it's time to go but um, I found with raw feeding It was a lot more. I saw the benefits uh, switching from a commercial, you know, um, in terms of the health benefits, even cost wise. You know, um, I'm actually feeding my community cats a a mixture of raw and, say, wet canned food for the really fussy cats. But I've got quite a few cats now that are very happy to just eat the raw food now. And I, I sprinkle a bit of that, you know, the freeze dried raw instead of kibble. You know, because right. some of them are uh, like, like you say, cats they well, impact, addicted like, to, yeah. They're addicted.
1: They're addicted. Cor-
0: Cor- Cor- yeah, addicted to it. Yeah, kitty crack. You know. Right. So you know. So instead of using um kibble, I use a uh, freeze-dried raw um treat. Right. You know th- that that kind of stuff. So it it gives them that 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 pungent that that umami taste that they're quite used to you know (laughs) so that's how I actually feed uh my home cats plus um my community cats downstairs so I've actually cut down on my cost for feeding um a lot and the vet bills as well um when I first started out the vet bills for my stray my community cats was I mean at one stage I was spending like thousands of dollars at the vet
1: If there's if there's one species that needs to be on raw, it's cats. Yeah. If if well, and I'll I'll take a step back. They shouldn't eat dry food. If anything, they should eat wet food. Um, but that's yeah, cats. Their kidneys they can't they can't deal with that dry food. It makes them really sick. Yeah. Or it creates a list of other issues. There's I mean. I'm I'm not well versed in cats, but from talking with Tracy enough, <clears throat> um, just hearing like the IBD problems, the vomiting, you know, th- just issues that cats are not supposed to have. <laughs> yeah. It it seems almost too common, like vomiting in cats. Like your animal's not supposed to vomit all the time. Correct. It's not normal.
0: Yeah, correct. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, so you know. Coming from because like you said, everyone starts with zero knowledge and we don't know and you know, we just follow usually whatever that goes with the mainstream or whatever your your well, in Singapore we don't have any holistic vets. So it's all conventional and it's all prescription diet-based. I mean it's it's a very mainstream, old school way of, of, of thinking. So, you know, um when I did when I found raw and the benefits of raw and I started to switch, um I was a minority now there's a bit more of a movement and awareness of raw feeding in Singapore so we have a few more like um, commercial local commercial companies that selling commercial frozen raw food prep right. you know um, but like um, still you know when I talk to my fellow rescuers you know about you know raw food I was like you know if you got cats you should feed them raw or at least a wet canned food diet because you yeah. will really number one, it's better for the cat and it's better for your wallet. Because as rescuers, you know, we don't earn a lot of money to be honest, because you're forever rescuing, you right. know, and, um, you know, going to the vet is one of the most costliest things on the planet. And I have actually cut down my vet bill on my community cats since feeding raw, or at least right. I had a wet, wet canned food. And, I, and a lot of people are very surprised when I say, my volunteer group, we don't feed dry food at all. You know. That's great. You know. No, that's
1: fantastic. If anything, like I said, it's just wet food. Yeah. They need that moisture. That's the main problem. It's they're in a chronic state of dehydration all the time. Okay. All the time. And then the, the problem is is then cats don't normally drink out of a hole. Like they need that that running water thing yeah. that I don't know what the right term is for the behavior, why they don't drink, I think it's just because of... Well, uh, like uh,
0: ancestrally, you know, DNA-wise, the, the, the line, they're more like desert cats, the history um, with domestic cats, you know, the, the, they say the ancestral line is, uh, they came from desert cats. So, they, they're, they're biologically, you know, um, they don't need to drink water. Because they get it from their food it, well yes, they, they should it from their- yeah from their raw food from you know from their prey so that's where they get their moisture content from you know and I get a lot of like um, pet cat owners who will tell me, like, oh but my cat drinks a lot of water I said, yeah, but that's still not enough they you know feeding dry right. they're in a constant state of ch- dehydration chronic dehydration. Right. And and then they hit, and they say oh no but they're fine they're eating well and then suddenly it hits them a couple of years say, my dog, my my cat's got kidney failure and then you know the next thing they know like um you know they have to do subcut fluid or they got to put the cat down or whatever and then you know so I I I spent a lot of money learning as a as a rescuer you know doing the dry food thing and then I I thank God for Google and you know uh. Websites like yours And you know Dr. Karen Becker as well I think she yeah. was like One of my main You know Like go to so much easier To Google her na- nowadays But you know To to find out about raw f- The benefits of raw feeding For both dogs and cats Even with my dog I find that she doesn't Drink that much water And I remember like uh, One of my friends Who's like a Doggy daycare person And my dog Actually spent a day um At her place once And she said to me Your dog doesn't really drink a lot of water does it even when she was out running and playing you know with right. with the others um she said like you 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 said like Merlin doesn't really drink a lot of water does she is it no because she's on raw she she doesn't really drink yeah. that much water even on a very super hot day uh you know like after a run she might lap a bit but not as much as I would say the the kibble fat dogs that's one thing I right. know. You know
1: I used to board dogs here for training and it was always fun to see the radical differences between water intake and stool production. Oh, you could always pick out the kibble stool in my yard. <laughs> you didn't even have to walk up
0: to it; you could just see it <laughs> in the distance <laughs> and smell it. I think that's the the key uh-huh. with smelling the poop. Was,
1: like I had dogs that stayed here that were half the size of me that produced stool three times the size of his it just blew me away and then one time I had a Great Dane stay here and I was just like oh well, wow that's a lot of poop
0: <laughs> oh my god how many bags did you
1: use <laughs> I, I have a, uh I have this, a scoop I don't use the bags I just scoop it and we live right behind a cattle pasture so it gets chunked to the, to the <laughs> cattle pasture um, well, I'm just fertilizing back into there
0: <laughs> goes back to the ground the good <laughs>
1: I'm just, I'm helping the pasture cattle behind my house. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you know, thank you so much, Ronnie. It's been, I really enjoyed talking to you. Uh, thank you so much for sharing all your information. You know, if, if one thing I, I hope this is um, derived, you know, is that it's possible for the left brain and the right brain to work together, you know, but it takes a special lady like you to crank out what you do—that's all I can say, you know. But thank you so much for doing what you do, and I will be putting a link in the podcast for Optimal Canine, Perfectly awesome. Um, and where—and where else can people find you? Uh, Facebook and your yeah, Facebook so
1: profile? I have on my Facebook, my personal Facebook profile, you could choose to follow me. Okay. I'll be honest. If you ask me to be your friend, if I don't really know you, I won't add you. Okay. Um, so <laughs> so, but add you, you do have the option. <laughs> you can add me because I know you. <laughs> I I put a freeze on adding strange people on my Facebook. Simply, oh, Quest is very upset. Um on sh- adding strange people to my facebook because a few years ago i had some things happen some people started attacking my business in an unprofessional way and they were actually on my friends list so that's just to protect my life now um but you do have the option to follow me so if post something that's public you get a notification of me there are you white um i do have an insta, a personal instagram account called cosmic unicorn you can follow me there too um but in terms of new and behavior and fitness, that would be perfectly some and optimal canine. But then there's the groups too, so Raw Feeding University, Mission Slim Possible.
0: Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, I think Quest is demanding your attention now, <laughs> uh, it's a little early, so he actually that's unfortunate for him because he needs to be in
1: there for another hour. <laughs>
0: Okay, well, thank you so much. Um, wealth of information there. And, you know, um, I've learned so much from you. And definitely, even more so, I'm going to tell my friends you got to hit up this lady now because, you know, <laughs> she's got a lot of things going and she's, you know, she's kosher.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice, thank you. I'm, I'm very, very humbled by all these compliments I'm getting. I'm, I swear I'm just a normal person.
0: See, that's what all superheroes say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't fly, so don't call me a superhero.
0: <laughs> yeah, but you but you manipulate time very well. That's one thing I have to say because the, the the schedule that you have and with your Google Calendar, you know, um I think you know not many people, not many normal people I know can do what you do and you know as a long-term marathon thing, because what you're doing is your life passion. You know, that routine yeah. And, you know, let us not forget You do have a husband somewhere That you have to spend time with At some point
1: yeah, he's somewhere <laughs> Not sure where he's at right now But he's somewhere No, I'm kidding He's at work
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, you know um, I, I have to say, you know Thank you, Mr. Ronnie out there For for supporting His <laughs> name you know, Lucas <laughs> He is He
1: is my best friend and a fantastic man. I don't ever talk much about him. Um, I tend to keep my personal life and things like that very personal. A lot of my, me is out in the public, and if this is a way I could kind of keep something personal to me, that and he actually is not on social media, so people sometimes think I, I'm lying when I say I have a husband because he cannot found online, <laughs> but no, he's real, and he's, he's, he's a fantastic man, and I'm very fortunate to have him in my life and to deal with me. <laughs>
0: Well, I think, you know, I do believe that what how, how you separate and manage your personal and your work your work life, especially since you're you're working from home mainly, um, it's a very wise thing, you know. Uh social media is important, you know, obviously for, for working and promoting your your business. But, you know, like you said, you know, keeping your private life private, at least, you know, because I think we all need a place to you know, retreat through and just be ourselves and uh, unwind. You know, um, so like I said, you know, Mister um, uh, Lucas, very nice man. I haven't met him, haven't seen him, but I think you know, <laughs> seeing the way you are, perfectly rawsome. You know, you know, he must be a really good dude.
1: <laughs> he put a
0: he puts up me, and that that's what makes him a good man. I'm a lot to do.
1: Do you do Facebook lives just? Curious question here. The only time I'll do a Facebook Live is in Raw Feeding University. Right. So I think that I've strategically done that to make the community a little bit more exclusive. Um, that way you could have access to that that information that I give. I generally do live discussions on a specific topic. Um, I'll randomly do, do live Q&As, but I, I'll choose a topic and we'll sit down and talk about a topic in whatever that may be. Um, And it will be for an hour, and there's normally a Q&A at the end of that discussion. Um, And what's really awesome is that all those videos are still available in Raw Feeding University. So if you join the group, you have access to all the past videos I've done. And there's a few of them already. Um, There's resource guarding, picky eating. Um, What's another one I recently did? Uh, I've done one on puppies. I've done one on... um, Elimination diets. So there's there's a bunch of just discussions on these specific topics. Um and that's that's where I'll do my lives there.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how you get that energy. But again, I think it goes back to that eight hours of sleep. Very important, everyone, <laughs> if you're listening, you know, no matter how mm-hmm. busy, especially if you're very if you want to be an entrepreneur, super lady like Ronnie Lejeune. <laughs> Please get your hours of sleep in. You got to lock that in. Then yeah. you can buzz around the whole day like that.
1: <laughs> your brain needs rest and latent learning is a thing. So that's a homework tip for everybody. Go Google what latent learning is.
0: There you have it. That's, that's the word. <laughs> okay, everybody, latent learning. All right. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Ronnie, for your time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ronnie's story. Look out for Dr. Margot Roman's interview next week. Wow, I'm so thankful and grateful that you took the time to listen to this podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could subscribe, download, rate, review and share this with others whom you care about that may enjoy it as well. Thank you and remember to be kind to yourself and others. Have a awesome day, everyone.